What do you What do you guys think of those songs? They're good. We like. Did you know all of them? You didn't know all of them. That's good. So you got to learn some new songs tonight. It's kind of fun doing church at night, isn't it? It's different. We don't normally do church at night. Why do you, Why do we do church at night? For the kids, what, can can anyone tell me why we do church at night this time? Why? Because Jesus was born. So we don't do church at night when I was born, do we? No, no, that'd be silly. But there's something special about when Jesus was born. So we set aside a whole night where we come and we gather as God's people and we celebrate the birth of Jesus. But uh, we're called to celebrate in a different way than just having cake, right? So we don't, we don't have cake here tonight. Uh, we don't have all the, the ribbons and balloons and all those things that we do with birthday parties because the celebration that we're called to celebrate when we celebrate Jesus' birth is to worship him. So this Christmas uh, time, for those of you who aren't uh, here with us every Sunday, we've been uh, taking some time and looking at uh, some of the old uh, Christmas carols, the, the, the OG hymns, if you will, of the Christian faith, and uh, kind of taking some time to go back and, and look at what makes them significant, what was kind of the inspiration behind some of those songs. So we've looked at songs like uh, Joy to the World, God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. Uh, tonight we're going to talk about a song that's fitting to Christmas Eve. A song called O Holy Night. Uh, does anybody know what holy means? You, you got all the answers. What, what's holy mean? You forgot. You forgot. That's okay. That's all right. Holy is, is something that's set apart, it's sacred. Right? It's super, super important. And so uh, we're going to sing a song in a little bit called O Holy Night. And what we're saying is there's, there's something sacred, something super important about this night. And it's not just because it's the night before Christmas, but it's because it's the night that we come together and we celebrate the fact that Jesus was born. So this song was written a long, 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 long time ago, in the 1800s, 1843, uh, this song, O Holy Night, was written. It was written in a country called France, which is a far, far away place, right? And it was uh, written actually for a Christmas Eve mass to celebrate uh, this time of year and celebrate the significance of what it is that we gather. But uh, when it was first written, the church in France wasn't too excited about it because it was written in a time where it was right in the heat of the French Revolution. And so the song uh, in the original French language talks a lot about deliverance, talks a lot about this Redeemer. And so what happened is the people started making it a very political song. And so the church was kind of looking at it and saying, well, we're, we're not trying to get into all the politics of their day. And so they were actually pushing back. People were like, this is a great song. We really love this song. And they were singing it in the streets. They were singing it in bars and all over the place. And the church was like, well... We're doing just fine without the song, Oh Holy Night. And uh, so there was getting some pushback until finally there was a guy here in America who heard the song was like, wow, this is a really great song. Now, does anybody know French? Nobody knows French? I, Zach? What a surprise. What a surprise. I don't know French, but there was someone who knew French and they heard the song. Um, he was like, wow, what a great song. This was uh, back in about the 1850s, so right before the Civil War was happening here in America. And this guy heard the song, and for the same reasons that, uh, that made it kind of political in France, he was like, 
We love it, right? Deliverance and redeemer and freedom and there, there's whole struggle with slavery and all this stuff that was going on in America. And he was like, uh, his reflection was, if God has done this for us, if God has set us free, if God has redeemed us, then maybe we should treat other people the same way God has treated us. And so uh, he translated the song to English so that we can sing it and actually know what we're saying um, and made it something that it, it became popular here and kind of became a staple as something that we do here on Christmas Eve. And lots of churches all around the world are going to sing this song tonight just like we will. Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about those themes that the song talks about, the things that we celebrate, that God has redeemed us, the significance of what it is that Christ came and was born. And so if you have your Bibles with me, I'm going to invite you uh, to turn to a very popular Christmas Eve text. Uh, and that's going to come from the book of Galatians. So not so Christmas Eve uh, traditional. But Galatians chapter 4, Paul kind of draws out some of the same exact themes that we sing about in the song, O Holy Night. Now, Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7 say this. It says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. And so Paul was looking back on uh, this, the, the law and the Old Testament and Jesus coming and saying there, there was something really, really important, really significant that happened when Jesus was born. And so we worship at Jesus' birthday when we celebrate his birth, unlike we do with mine, the whole world celebrates Jesus, but most of you may not even know when my birthday is. Do you know when my birthday is? See? That's okay. That's an, that's an all right thing. Uh, but we worship Jesus because of the significance of what happened because he was born, because he changed things. But when Jesus was born, it was a little bit different than when I was born or when you were born, right? Because when we were born, we'd say, hey, this is the beginning of your life, right? You're, you were born on this day. But Jesus, when he was born, his story had already been going on for a long long time. So Christmas Eve, Christmas, when we celebrate his birth, wasn't the beginning of the story of Jesus. So uh, this week, Bree and I were uh, talking just kind of about the significance of that. And, and maybe it's one of those things you've, you've spent some time thinking about in your life, but to stop and consider, you know, the, of what it may have been like to be Mary and Joseph, Right, and to look down at this helpless baby. You guys have a little a little boy, baby boy in your home, right? And so imagining looking at this this small helpless baby and having to kind of wrestle with this fact of okay, on one hand, helpless baby, precious, so small, what is a, a beautiful child, and on the other hand, recognizing the things that have been told to you that he's the the son of God, that he's been sent to save the world from their sins, that he's the appointed one, that he's Emmanuel, God with us, and you're wrestling with these things. Helpless baby, super significant person, totally unlike anybody else who has been born. And so there's some great things to wrestle with. And I, I found a video 
that I think is going to help us kind of process some of those things. So uh, we'll cue that up, and uh, while we cue that up, I'm going to turn the lights off. So turn your attention to the screen for a second. that silent night when the stars turned their gaze to marvel at the earth when the heavens gathered breathless round a lowly stable when a young mother wept tears of worship falling on the baby in her arms and the song of the earth arose in Bethlehem soft as the tender beating of his heart and always calm always bright yet could this be the same god of abraham the conqueror of israel this baby this fragile life is this child the one who burned his name in rapture across the gasping skies whose voice spoke the oceans into crashing rhythms, who crafted the mountains into guardians of the firmament, whose hand ignited the thirst of the deserts and the warring surge of the elemental hosts, who breathed life from dust, broke the oppressor's rule, scattered the chains of his people like sand, and led them through the wilderness with the pillar of flame. Is this child the one whose presence billowed thunderous on Sinai's peak? Who surrounded Job with the roaring wind, stood defiant in the raging furnace, wrote judgment against tyrants, and blazed on the lips of the prophets, scorching history's pages with the fury of his might? Could this be the same God who chose to come as the vulnerable king? setting his throne on straw and manger, drawing forth the tears of shepherds, receiving the gifts of wandering travelers, his fame unknown in this world. He is Jesus, the one who thunders through the heavens, yet whispers to our hearts, who reigns victorious, yet bows to serve the broken. He is God in the fury, God in the silence. He holds this mystery balanced in his hands, holds our questions till they lose their need, until all we see is him. I thought that video goes a long way to help paint that picture, right? That the story of Jesus didn't start in the Gospels. The story of Jesus started at the very beginning of the book. The whole book, this whole book, is the story of Jesus. So that Paul can say, when the fullness of time had come, in other words, at the most perfect moment, at a divinely appointed moment in history, God sent 
forth his son. All of this pointing to Jesus. If you were to read the book of Galatians right before Paul's talking about this, he's talking about the the law and its role and, and how it was never meant to give life, but it was meant to point us to Jesus. It, it says that it was a tutor unto Christ. It stewarded God's people, pointing them to Jesus, not in a, in a way to say, hey, here's how you can come close to God, but the law was meant to say, hey, look how far you are from him so that we might have faith and believe that we, by faith, would become children of the promise, the same promise, Paul says, that was given to Abraham all the way back in the beginning. And so the whole Bible, all the pages of the Old Testament, all of it leading up to funneling our attention, funneling our affections to this one singular person, Jesus. So we worship at Christmas, we worship, as the song O Holy Night says, it says, fall on your knees. Behold your king. Let all within us praise him. It's a different celebration, but we worship because in this baby is the fullness of God in helpless babe, right? As we sing in the song, in Christ alone. Significant. Significant. We worship. And because of all this, uh, Paul goes on, he says, he came to redeem those who were under the law. And since we've been redeemed, we might receive adoption as sons. And as sons, you know, we've been given the spirit of God's son in our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Right? And since we're sons, he says, we've been given this inheritance. And so uh, Paul talks about Number one, the reason we worship is the fact that the story didn't start in the stable. But number two, that the slave has been made a son. Well, we were once slaves, slaves to sin, bound under the bondage of the law. We've been set free so that now we are in Christ, a new creation, free in him from the weight of sin. That he could say in the book of Romans that now we aren't slaves to sin any longer, but now we are slaves to righteousness in him. We always have a master. What is the master in your life? And for those of us who are in Christ, Jesus is now our master. We've been welcomed into the family. And so our, our family dynamic has changed quite a bit. If you looked at uh, slavery and sonship throughout the scriptures, you're going to see lots of themes uh, run up through that. There's, there's slaves and there's children in the home, but there's a huge difference between the two. In, in John, uh, in his gospel, Jesus talks about the slave not being around forever, but when the Son sets you free, then you what? You are free indeed. Right? There is a permanence to this. There is a, you are in the family. And it's not just a, a status change. It's not just a positional change. It's a relational change. That's why we're told that we now cry out, Abba, Father. It's different than just saying this formal approach to somebody. Like uh, my kids, right? They, they don't know me as Pastor Jeremy or Pastor Dad. My kids know me as Dad, right? And that comes with all of the Pete sitting back there. I just want to sit in your lap, Dad. Hold me, Dad, right? And, and just the vulnerability, the ability to come and just be real. And we're invited into this relationship with God where there is an intimacy that we didn't have, right? It's not just uh, come and put the right face on. It's not a just come and say the right words and go through certain motions. It is now a, it is a personal relationship with God. 
And it's because of the significance of what Jesus did when he came. He came while we were far off to bring us near to him. And so we worship him because of this change that he has made. And we have this inheritance. What Paul's concern is that sometimes he's worried, as he wrote to the people in Galatia, that we trade in this inheritance for scraps. So right after he talks about all of this, you've been given this inheritance and this intimacy with God. He turns around in the next verses, uh, he talks about his concern for the Galatians, that they're, they're trading it all back in for the things that they had before. This freedom, this intimacy, this life, this inheritance, trading it back in for the slavery that they once had. And so verse 9, he'll say, but now that you've come to know God, or rather, he says, to be known by God, because what's more significant? Just to know God or the fact that the God of the universe, the creator of all things, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the, the, the Almighty One knows you. That you are known by God. How can you turn back to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? And it draws you back. It reminds you of the, the people of Israel. right? They, they're freed from Egypt. And they're wandering in the wilderness. And are they in the wilderness celebrating the whole time? Yeah, we're free. They spend a lot of time grumbling. A lot of time complaining. A lot of time saying, did you, did you lead us out of Egypt just so we could die in the wilderness? Let's go back. And Paul's saying, don't, don't do that. Don't trade in this inheritance that you've been given in Christ for scraps. It's not worth it. Keep your eye on the prize. And that's the, the heart of this song that we sing, right? That we've been redeemed. So behold your king. Receive your redeemer. Oh, holy night. Because something significant happened. It's not just any night. It was a night that the Savior was born. Something to celebrate. Something to worship. So fall on your knees. Behold your king. Let all within us praise his name. There's something important to this. So that, uh, when we celebrate this and all of this being because the fullness of time had come and God sent forth his son. It's one story. We celebrate one part of that story here at Christmas, but the story goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. All the way back to Genesis chapter 3, right? The first time that God said something alluding that I'm going to send somebody. The seed of the woman. He sent forth a son, born of a woman, born under the law. Same story. One big story. So it's not just an ordinary night in that sense. But it was a night that in their time was, did seem ordinary. But in a humble manger, the Savior of the world was born. And then shepherds show up and start worshiping this little baby. Not the Levites, not the religious leaders, not all the, the, the high and ups. Some dirty, smelly shepherds, fresh out of the fields, show up and start worshiping this baby. And what Luke's gospel tells us what happened. Mary pondered these things in her heart. The reality, there's a lot to ponder, a lot to consider in this. So as we celebrate Christmas, 
as we enjoy time with our families and all the, the traditions and festivities of it all, let's ponder the significance of what this is. Because it truly is a holy night. It truly is a night that changed the course of history forever. Now, what we're going to do at the end of our service here, if you didn't grab a candle, we can get a candle to you. Uh, but we're going to light our candles together while we sing, O Holy Night. And then we're going to sing Silent Night after that. And the reason uh, we're going to do this isn't just for tradition's sake, uh, but there's, I think there's a, a real significance to this and a symbolism that I don't want us to miss. While it's, it's really cool, right? It's cool to do a candlelight service. It's cool to light the candles and sing peaceful songs. And, and that's a nice thing to do on Christmas Eve. But the significance of it is, is we are going to light these candles starting with one flame. And from this one flame, we will light all the flames in this room. And it is a reminder to us of what John's gospel said in chapter 1. He wrote that the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And it's that light that gives light to us. And so, uh, kids, we sing the song, uh, let, uh, This Little Light of Mine, I'm Gonna Let It Shine. You know that song? This little light of mine. You didn't know you were going to get the pastor to sing tonight. Right? Our lights shine because of his light in us. And so as we do this, as we light our candles, as we sing these songs, I want us to think about that fact that Jesus has changed our lives.